Awesome. Thank you, Alex. Thanks uh, for sharing that with us. Can you uh, turn to someone and say, it's worth it? It's worth it. <laughs> oh, my. It is uh, so good to be together. Um, I'm really glad that um, Alex shared what he did. I'm uh, really glad that uh, not only that he shared it, but that um, these things are happening in his life, that he's like, pursuing uh, God and he's wrestling with God and he's seeking that because uh, on the flip side of that, there is a, a transformation. There is a change that's happening. And I know some of you guys are, are really doing that. Like you're, you're going to the mat, you're, you're wrestling with God. Uh, you've made some really hard choices. And for that, like uh, um, not that you need my thanks, but I'm so thankful for, for that, that you're willing to take this because all of this stuff that we're talking about, like the word of God was not meant um, for us to simply have information, right? Oh, yeah, this is good. My, 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 my history, my life is messed up in the past, all that stuff that I've been through. My family's jacked up. I got all these, like, family secrets and all that stuff. That's great for me to know. No, the Bible is not given for, for information. It wasn't given um, for inspiration either. Like, oh, my gosh, this makes me feel really good. I'm going to go run through a wall. Um, it's not meant for inspiration either. Uh, the deepest the deepest level of why God gives us his word is so that there would be transformation. That's the purpose for which God gives his word, not so that we would know, not that we'd be inspired, but that we'd be changed. And if I can, if I can just be really honest with you, um, here's, here's my fear and here's my, my heart is as I work through these things and as I wrestle through these things and as I process through these things and I'm on this journey with you, as I see what God is trying to do in me and then as I um, communicate this, I, I, I've said this has kind of been, been, uh, been birthed in me um, for over like several years now and it was finally, you know, I had in my heart, I'm going to preach this in 2018, 2019 and finally this is the time for it to come out. But, but my fear is that uh, for many of us, it will just end up in the realm of, man, that was good, and then by the time we scoot out to eat lunch, and by the time we order our food, that we'll have forgotten about all this stuff. Like, that's my fear. Like, I, I, at the outset, the first week, I, I said, guys, this is going to be hard. It's going to be surgery, but if you put yourself to it, if you lay on the table, that this could be deeply life-changing. It could be the most significant series that we've been through because it's opening the door to places of, of brokenness so that we can open the door to places of healing. You cannot heal if you do not feel, right? You can't heal what you don't feel. If you don't know that it's there, if you don't know what you're feeling, you can't experience the healing of God in that. And, and, and so my fear is that, man, we, we talk about it like at a surface level. Yeah, these are the things, but we don't, like Alex said, we don't have the hard conversations, we don't take that next step. That's my fear is that we'll just kind of be like, hey, that was a good one, and, and, and walk out, and then it gets stuck somewhere in the deeper recesses of our medulla oblongata, and then never to be pulled out again, and we're no better for it. I, I think part of the reason why this happens is like so many of us want a deeper relationship with God. We want to be intimate with God. We long for that. We long for health, but for some reason, we don't go to those places in order to pursue it. Like, why is that? Like, we, we, we know that this is something that I've got to deal with, but I'm scared to because it's difficult and it's hard and, and there's going to be pain. One of the things that I've come to realize, and I, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it, but I asked a handful of our people here, hey, can you just send me, tell me what your, your daily schedule looks like? From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, can you just show me? And, and several people sent me um, their things, and I was going to kind of talk about it as an illustration, but um, I just, I didn't, I, I ran, I, I don't have time to talk about it all because all that happens in a given day is so full and so packed, right? Some of them waking up at 4.30 in the morning. Some of them waking up at, at 6.30 in the morning. And from the time they get up, it's bang, 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 until they cannot keep their eyes open at 10.30 and they're asleep. The challenge for a lot of us is like we want these things. We want more. We want to build. We want to grow. We want to heal. We want intimacy. We want to be well. But the breakneck pace of life keeps us from stopping in order that we might receive what God wants to give to us, so that we might see the things that he wants to show us, so that we might actually begin doing that hard work of digging deep beneath the surface so that God can do his work of transformation. Like some of us are just far too busy to let God operate on us, and so we never schedule the appointment with him to have the surgery that would save our soul. 
Today, what I want to do is I want to show us that this is not an, uh, a 21st century phenomenon. I would say that it's, I mean, we're definitely living in these times where life is at, at a frenzied pace. But it's an age-old challenge because it's not about our schedule, it's about the heart. And what I want to do is look into Scripture to see the age-old solution that God gave before the problem even entered into our existence. I want to look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. And what I want to do is kind of uh, show us that this is God's, uh, it's his life preserver thrown out to us. It's his saving grace that's given to us in order that we might be able to work through and process through some of these things. Um, I, I will say that... Um, it's not going to be a heavy talk. Like the last four weeks that we've processed through some of this stuff, it's been, it's, it's been hard. It's been, it's been grueling. It's been work. It's been emotionally taxing maybe. Um, today's not going to be like that. Um, but what I want to do is give us uh, the way that God allows us to be able to enter into these places for healing uh, as we go throughout our lives. This is Deuteronomy chapter 5. We're going to do verses 12 through 15. Okay, this is uh, from the... Ten Commandments that God gave to his people, Uh, Deuteronomy 5, uh, verses 12 through 15. This is God's word. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember, remember, okay, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is God's word. So we find this nestled in the Ten Commandments. This is number four, and this is number four in God. So God has like this top ten list, Uh, kind of like David Letterman used to have this top ten list. God says, here's your top ten list of things that you need to obey because you have been saved. Okay, not you need to obey these things in order for you to be saved. Okay, he said, because you've been rescued from slavery in Egypt, because you are saved, because you're my people, this is what you will do. The 10 things that you'll do in order to show the world that you are mine, in order to show the world that you're different from every other nation, every other religion, every other worldview, to show them that you're different, these are the boundary markers that mark the people of God. Now, amongst the 10, you will probably know that the first three of them deal with our relationship with God. Okay? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make no graven image of me. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. The last six deal with our relationship with people. You should honor your father and mother. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not lie. You should not bear. Uh, you should not covet your neighbor's anything. Right? So three deal with God, six deal with people. And then in the middle of all of that, the fourth one is a command that deals with our relationship with both God and with his people. Honor the Sabbath. Get together with the people of God. In other words, here's what God is saying. Even the placement of it, the placement of it says, this is the hinge between loving God and loving people. How do you do it? That's what we're talking about. Emotionally healthy spirituality is to love God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. If you love God with all of yourself, then you will have no other gods. You'll do these things. If you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, you wouldn't lie to them. You wouldn't covet their stuff. You wouldn't kill them. You wouldn't steal. All of these things. He said, how do you do this? The hinge, then, is the Sabbath command. Now, this is the one that we break The most easily and the most frequently, we don't give second thought to it, and oftentimes we even boast about it. Well, I'm so busy. I have to go to work. I'm going to work before church. I'm going to work after church on Sunday, if Sunday is your Sabbath. It's one that we break the most. It's one that our culture tells us we ought to break and be okay with it, and it's the one that we don't see a real problem with breaking it. 
But here's what God is saying in the Ten Commandments. What he's saying is this is so much more vital to your emotionally healthy spirituality than you know. It's so much more important to loving God than you know. You think it's just about having your devotional time and praying. He says, no, let me tell you. Here's what it is. You think it's it, it, just loving people is about, oh, I got I to gotta just love. I got I to gotta choose to love them. He says, here's the hinge. If you don't understand, if you don't observe your Sabbath as holy unto God, then it will cripple your ability to love God. Oh, but I'm, I'm, the reason I'm working so hard is for God. No, no, no. That's not what he wants. It cripples your ability to love people. But here, I'm helping them to get a home. I'm helping them to do these things. He says, no, 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 no. That's not what I want. Unless you observe the Sabbath, which is far more significant than you may think, your ability to love God and your ability to love people will be severely hampered and the legs will be cut off of you as you seek to do that. What is, what is that? What's the significance of it? Let me just, I just want to give two thoughts here, two things as we look into this passage and then as we look into another passage about the Sabbath. Here's the first thing. God, I'm sorry, the Sabbath, Sabbath is God's lifeline. It is his lifeline to you and me to save us from slavery. Many of us are slaves, but we don't even know about it. I don't know what you think when you hear this command, honor the Sabbath, observe the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath, obey the Sabbath. Uh, maybe you have these different thoughts of, it's just, it's about, it's a restriction, things that I cannot do on Sunday, which most of you, most of you would consider to be your Sabbath. These are just a bunch of things that I cannot do. Uh, I cannot go to Chick-fil-A. That's probably the biggest thing that you think when you think about the Sabbath command, right? Someone's head was like on a, like bobbing up and down like a uh, bobblehead doll over there. That, sometimes that's what we think, right? I, I know this too. I mean, when we, we're, we're sitting in the parking lot, hey, where do you want to eat? Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Uh, let's just go to get public sauce. We did that last week. Uh, let's go to Chipotle. No, we did that like every day during Daniel Fest. What do you want to? I want to go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A is closed. Right? It's Sunday. That's their way of observing the Sabbath, right? Maybe that's what you think is, there are a bunch of things I cannot do. When I was growing up, my parents told me in their traditional conservative Korean uh, understanding of spirituality, Christianity, hey, this is, it's Sunday, you cannot wear jeans to church, right? Anyone grow up like that? Like, you can't wear jeans. That's like, what? Like, where, where does it say that in the Bible? Like, thou shalt not wear jeans on the Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you can wear jeans, but not on the... No, he doesn't say that. My parents said, I can't chew gum on Sunday. I was like, what? That's weird. So I, I grew up saying, you can't chew gum. And so one time, I remember seeing this kid chewing gum at church. And I was like, you're not allowed to chew gum on Sunday. And I said, you're not allowed to chew gum. It's Sunday. And the crazy thing is, he's like, oh, shoot, I forgot. And he took it out. I was like, your parents told you you can't chew gum either? Yeah, it's crazy. I, we couldn't go to 7-Eleven. Okay, there's a lot of stuff we couldn't do. Maybe that's your understanding of, of Sabbath. Like, yeah, man, it's a restriction around all the things that I can and cannot do. Maybe some of you are uh, on the opposite side, and you're like, when you hear this, it's not about, like, what you can and cannot do, but you just feel guilty because you don't do this. Every time I would hear about the Sabbath, I would feel that way. I'd be like, ah, uh, you know. I would think I was the only one. I'm like, uh, I'm the only one who's like so busy that I can't take a Sabbath. My friends like kicked my butt. They're like, dude, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna fry by the time you're 35. You keep working like that. I was like, no, I got, I got too much stuff to do. You know, you don't know. Like, dude, we're, we're like, we're all pastors. Of course we know. You got to take your Sabbath. I was like, oh. And so I would feel guilty whenever I would hear someone talk about the Sabbath. I don't know if some of you feel that way. Um, again, that's not the intent unless... That guilt is what frees you from the shackles. Because when God gives this command to honor the Sabbath, he's throwing a lifeline into the lives of people who are living as slaves. You see, God rescued them out of slavery. It, it took God like a, a matter of days to get them out of slavery, but it would take a long time to get the slavery out of them. And what God was doing was throwing a lifeline into their lives to say, hey, let's get you out of here. Basically, uh, here's what Sabbath means. At the simplest definition, it means for 24 hours <laughs> to stop doing the work that you usually do. Right, for 24 hours. Okay, that doesn't mean until 1230 when Omega service ends and then you do whatever you want. That's not what Sabbath is. Okay. For 24 hours. Doesn't mean, okay, I'm done with worship, now I can go work now. 
That's not observing the Sabbath, unless, unless your Sabbath goes from Saturday 12.30 until Sunday 12.30, which if it does, that's completely fine. But it's a 24-hour time period where you stop working. I know some of you can't do that. I got scheduled to work. It's beyond me. Like, people get sick. I'm a doctor. I've, I've, I just have to. There's no other way around it. Then you find another Sabbath. The, po- the point is not what day you do it, but it's to take a 24-hour time period and stop working. Why? Listen to this, verse 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Do you remember when there were slaves, Israel was in Egypt, and for how many years were they slaves in Egypt? That's right, 400 years, right? 400 years. That means if we, were, if we were getting the Ten Commandments here, okay, from, from the year 1620 until now, right, something happened in 1620. Was that Jamestown or something significant happened in American history? I don't know what it was. But from 1620 until now, our family, okay, imagine our family's been living in America for those 400 years. That means your parents, your grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, your greatest grandparents back to like seven greats, Every one of them were slaves, including you. Okay, we're slaves in Egypt. And our slave master, our taskmaster, our driver says, you need to bake bricks. Under the, just the beating down of the Egyptian sun, he's like, bake bricks, bake bricks, make them, make them, make them, go get your own material and make bricks. That's what they did for 400 years. For 400 years, that's what they do, seven days a week. Okay, hey, hey, I'm tired, Egyptian's taskmaster, can I take a break, can I rest a little bit? You want to rest? You rest when you die. That was their MO. You don't rest. You're slaves. That's what you do. You work and you work and you work. And so in the mind of the Israelite slaves, their worth and their identity is found in how many bricks they can make. You work and you work and you work and you don't rest until you die. You might sleep for a few hours at night, but there's no such thing as taking breaks. You're a slave. They dehumanized them to the, to the point where they didn't see them as people. They saw them as machines to make bricks. The dehumanizing of the Israelites meant that they, all they were good for is to be considered slaves. They worked and they worked and they worked, and this happened for 400 years, 40, uh, 10 generations of 40 years each. This has been, talk about generational expectation, generational just uh, habits that are passed down for 10 generations, all their people did was work, 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 work. You never stop. You never stop working. That was their life. That was their song. If they were allowed to sing, that's what they would sing. They kept on working, and they never, ever, ever, ever stopped. So think about this. They get released from slavery. They're walking in the desert, and for the first time, they're not working. And they come to the mountain, and God speaks, and he says, I'm going to give you ten commandments that are going to set you apart. He's going to to change the way that you live, but this is how people are going to know that you're my people. Okay? There's just just ten of them, just ten of them. Here's the first one. Have no other gods. And the Israelites are like, wow, but that's that's really hard. That's really hard because, like, in Egypt, like, everything was a god. We had the sun god. If there wasn't, the sun wasn't shining, we prayed to the sun god. There was the rain god. There's a fertility god. There's all these different gods. How, what, if, what if this one god who's giving us these commandments doesn't pull through? You're saying, don't have any other gods? That Moses, that's really hard. But that's what he said. What's the second one, Moses? Well, the second one is, don't make any images of that god. What? Like, in, in, in Egypt, everyone, every god had their own image. We would worship it, but how do we know? We can't even see the god we worship. How are we going to, how do we, Moses, this is really hard. And they're complaining about all of these. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. If you say he's your God, then he's your God. Don't just throw his name around and pray to him when you want to do whatever you want to do. And when you need him, you call out to him. Don't take his name in vain. Moses, this is really hard. Okay, but let me keep on going. Number four, observe the Sabbath. Moses, this is terrible. What? Wait, what does that mean? It means for one day, you don't work. Think about this. 400 years, this is embedded into your DNA. You work, you work, you work, you work, you work, and the command is don't work. 
the slaves are not saying, oh my gosh, Moses, I can't believe you're telling us to not work. This is, this is awful. Do you understand? The Sabbath command was not given to lazy people looking for a reason to be more lazy. It was written to people who are being driven into the ground, who are used to being slaves, who are not human beings anymore. They're human doings. The only reason they had worth in Egypt was to see how many bricks that they could make. And so into that context, he says, one day, stop working. This is not oppression. This is liberation, you see. But, but okay, let me, let me get this straight. You're saying, for all of my life, I've worked every day of my life, but you're saying, for one day, I stop? So, yeah, one day out of, out of the year, right? No, one day out of... My life? No, 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 no. Go the other way. One day a month? One day out of every week, he's saying, you don't need to work. Stop working. They would be doing cartwheels and jumping jacks and every dance that you could find on Fortnite because they're going crazy. That Oh, my, you're, are you kidding me right now? We don't have to work. And God is like, this is how committed I am to it. It's not just you, Israelites. It's your slaves, too. I care about them. It goes so far down into your animals. Because that is going to keep you from needing to do work also. What is he saying? Back in the day, okay, back in the day, uh, during the time of like, what was it called? I forget. Expansion into the West and all that stuff, manifest destiny. There was a, a, a group of Christians, this caravan of Christians who were going from St. Louis to Oregon, right? Uh, and they would go on like horse-drawn wagons. And as they're going, uh, they left at, in the fall, and they're like, hey, we got to get there before winter comes, before the snow falls, or we're going to get stuck, and we're not going to be able to go anywhere. And so um, as they were going, they were, they were making pretty good pace, and then they realized, wow, um, if we're going to make it before snow comes, uh, we got to really, we got to really, we got to haul it. And so um, there's a group that said, hey, we've been stopping every Sunday for Sabbath for 24 hours. Um, let's just, until we get there, let's just stop that. Okay? Let's just stop and let's just go seven days. There was another group of people who were like, no, but this is like God told us to honor the Sabbath. Like we have to, we've been doing it up until now. He, he's going he's gonna to get us faithfully to, to Oregon before snowfall. There's two groups of people. Should we rest or, or should we keep going? Uh, re- should we rest or should we keep on going seven days uh, out of the week? And, and they couldn't come to an agreement. So two groups right, went out. One would go seven days a week and one would go six and rest on the Sabbath. They going and they both made it to Oregon. Who made it to Oregon first? That's right. <laughs> the group that honored and observed the Sabbath. They got there before the group that was going seven days a week. How? Uh, their GPS rerouted them a better way? No. Because when they stopped on the Sabbath, their horses and their people were all refreshed in such a way that they were so much more efficient than had they gone seven days in a row until they got there. God says, remember. Okay, remember this. You can stop because you are slaves and God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. In other words, for all of your life, all you knew was work, 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 work. And where did that get you? Deeper into slavery. But check this out. The moment you do nothing is the moment you're uh, you're saved out of slavery. Can you trust that by you not working that God is still working and that he's able to take care of you? Do you believe that? Because somewhere in our hearts, Deep down, a great many of us don't believe that. We don't believe it. That's why you never stop working, because we don't believe that he never stops working. God says, not only you, but your servants, all of the, because this is what's going to set you apart. Do you, do, you, do you know this? Like, Do you know, do you trust that I'm able to do with you in six days more than you can do with yourself in seven days? It's a question of trust. Do we believe that? Do I really trust that? It's, a, it's the same thing as a tithing principle. Do I believe that with 90%, God can do more with my 90% than I can do with my 100%? Do you trust that? Those two places in the currency of money and the currency of time, that's where our faith is really seen, isn't it? Do you believe that in honoring the Sabbath that God's going to care for you? He's going to take care of you.
this became so much a part of setting the people of God apart that, I mean, this is what, this is what defined the ancient Jews of Israel. And even to this day, they still do. You guys, uh, some of you may know, some of you have recommended to me when I was looking for a computer, uh, a website called B&H Photo. It's a, it's a website and it's a store up in, up in New York, but it's the second largest store for videos and audio equipment in the world. The, the largest, I should say, non-chain store. So it's the, biggest, the, the biggest one is in Japan, and then the second biggest one is run by these Hasidic Jews who still practice the Sabbath up in New York. Um, they, if you go there, they'll be wearing like Amish-looking clothes, which is what the Hasidics wear. They've got their long beards, and they've got their black hats and black clothes on. They honor the Sabbath. They get uh, eight to 9,000 customers a day. Actually, I should I take that back. I don't know if they're, they're not necessarily paying customers. Eight, 9,000 people walk into their store every day, yet 70% of their business is done online. That is a monumental kind of uh, business that they're running. But he, here's the thing. They honor the Sabbath, and, and they shut down on the Sabbath, which means a Jewish Sabbath is uh, Friday, 6 p.m. until Saturday, 6 p.m. But what they do is they shut down starting at 1 p.m. on Friday, the busiest two days, and all day Saturday, they shut down, as well as several Jewish holidays throughout the year. Here's what they do on Black Friday. You know, Black Friday is like, I mean, that's whether it's online or in, in real space. They, they shut down their store. They also shut down on Black Friday and every other Friday from 1 p.m. until all day Saturday. They shut down their website. You can browse, but you cannot buy anything for that 30-some hour stretch because they want to be clear that we're not about making money above honoring the commands of our God. And so this newspaper asked the owner, hey, why, just open at least on Black Friday. And he just simply ended the interview uh, with one sentence. He said, we answer to a higher authority. That's it. We're not very different from the Israelite slaves in Egypt. We, too, are being driven into the ground by our taskmasters. Sometimes it's the culture that says you got to produce. Your worth is found in who you are. Your identity is in who you are. In what, I'm sorry, not in who you are, but in what you do, in the things that you do, in how much you can produce. Isn't that why so many of us work so hard? Because really, we, we, find our, we find our sense of worth in how much we can do. Wait, maybe it's how much we can do for people, in how many bricks that we can produce. And if you stop to think about it, you realize, I, I don't feel like a human being anymore. I feel like a human doing. I feel like I'm defined by what I do, not by who I am. I have become a machine to work. Maybe for, 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 for students, that's school. I define myself by my GPA. I define myself by how many AP classes I'm taking. I define myself by how many clubs that I'm in because that's what's going to give me an upper hand against other people when we apply to go to college. Because you so define yourself by what you do, and instead of trusting God that he can take care of you, we think that we've got to do it all on our own. And so we work, and we work, and we work, and we work, and we give lip service to the fact that, yeah, we all need a Sabbath, and we say our Sabbath, and I come to church until 1230, and then I'm done, and then I go do my own thing. But how's that working out for you in terms of experiencing and encountering the intimacy with God that you so desperately long for? This clinical psychologist, 35 years, meeting with people. Someone asked him, dude, I, man, he, he was a pastor, frustrated. Peter Scazzaro said, I, I'm frustrated. I talk about this all the time. And what at the end of these talks, people say, you know what? That was the most significant thing I've heard is I need to take a Sabbath. But his frustration was that as many people as that say that, like they leave and they don't do it. Why? 35 years of experience talking to people. This is what that clinical psychologist said. Said because they can't. Because so much of their worth and identity is tied up in what they do. Even though it sounds great, at a heart level, they, they, they just can't stop. Because if they stop, they will realize the depth of the emptiness within their soul. And so they work 
work, 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 thinking that if I run fast enough, I can outrun the voices in my head that tell me that I'm not enough that tell me that I'm not good enough, that tell me that unless I meet up to the standards of this person or that person, I will never feel like I'm somebody. Maybe that's why we can't stop working. Maybe that's why even though you're here today, some of you are thinking about your work. Maybe some of you as you're here, you're writing an email to a client or to a person that you need to deal with because you can't stop working. Because in your mind, you have defined yourself by the voices that tell you that you are what you do. The Sabbath is not an, oh my gosh, do I need to? This is your lifeline that God has thrown into the midst of our cultural slavery to performance, to duty, to having to, to, to perform in order to be somebody. And he's saying, let me rescue you from that. Get out of that so that you can get healthy and to be with me. That's the first thing that we see. Sabbath is God's lifeline to save us from slavery. Second thing that we see, okay, second thing that we see is Sabbath is essential in order for you to be godly. The Sabbath is essential for your pursuit of godliness. What does it mean? What does it mean to be godly? What does it mean to be godly? I think it, it, in the, the simplest definition, English grammar, to be godly means to be like God. God. That's very simple. Here in Deuteronomy, God says, the reason why I give you the Sabbath is because I saved you. I saved you out of slavery. Don't be slaves anymore. But in the first place that the Ten Commandments show up in Exodus chapter 20, can I tell you why God gives as the reason, for, uh, the reason why we ought to honor the Sabbath? Here's what he says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, uh, verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall neither work and, and all those things. And it says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, in Exodus, what God is saying, the reason you honor the Sabbath is because I rested on the Sabbath. You want to be godly? And then you need to honor the Sabbath. That's what he's saying. In Deuteronomy, he says, you want to be set free from slavery? Because you're mine, honor the Sabbath. Here, in, in Exodus... The Sabbath command is tied back to the Garden of Eden, pre-fall, before sin entered the world. In Deuteronomy, it's connected to not the Garden of Eden, but to Egypt and slavery. I set you free from that. You're my people. If you want to be godly, then honoring the Sabbath is not extra credit. It's not optional. It's absolutely essential. Why? Here's what God is doing. From the beginning of time, what God is doing is he's setting a rhythm. Here's your rhythm. Here's your rhythm. It's work for six days, rest Sabbath for one day. That's the rhythm. Okay, the rhythm of the world. Here's the rhythm of the world. The rhythm of the world is work, 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 work. Even on the weekend, you're still, your mind is not shut off because you got your phone, you got your computer, you've got your iPad, your work, 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 work. Even when I'm not working, you work, 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 work. Come to church on Sunday, work, 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 work. Ah, finally, I made it to my vacation. Let's go on vacation. Let's pack off. So I'm so tired to pack my bags. You packed them for me, honey. Pack the bags. You go on vacation. But on vacation, you're chilling on your beach chair. Ding, 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 ding. Look at your phone oh my gosh, it's my, birth, my, my boss, I got to work, 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 even on vacation. Well, why am I so tired? I'm on vacation. Work, 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 work. Come back from vacation. Oh my gosh, I got to go back to work. But weren't you, wor you were working all vacation? That's the rhythm of the world. Study, 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 study. Through the summer, study, study, study. School is done. Go to Kumon, study, 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 study. Go to this tutor, study, 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 study. Maybe that's not you. Maybe that's your parents. Maybe that's your parents' issue because they define themselves as parents by how good you perform. And maybe now that's been adopted by you. Work, 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 study, 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 study. You try, I'm trying to, I, hopefully you'll go home and you'll start singing this song. Work, 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 what am I doing? You'll stop because here's the rhythm of God. Work, 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 Sabbath. <laughs> that's God's rhythm. Work, 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 Sabbath. Last night while Olive was in the bedroom praying, I was thinking about this rhythm, and I came up with all these dances and whoosh, whoosh, all this stuff. Sabbath. 
but I, I was too embarrassed to do it in front of you. So maybe you can do it and you can put it up on Fortnite or TikTok or whatever it is. This is the rhythm of God. Work, 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 work. Sabbath. Instead of work, 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 through Sabbath, work, 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 work. What God is doing, he's saying there's a rhythm from creation. Think about this. What do you know in all of creation that is always on, always working? There are ebbs and sun rises, sun goes down. Moon comes out, moon goes down. Right? There's that ebb and flow of work. Stars come, stars go to bed. Different things. Animals wake up, they sleep, they go all the day. Everything has a rhythm. Everything has a rhythm to it. But we are the ones to try and break that rhythm by working and working and working and working and not stopping. We're th- Maybe we think we're just too important. God is saying, hey, listen, you didn't do anything to get yourselves out of slavery. You were stuck for 400 years. I did it. You're not that important. Do you believe that? Can you trust that? Can you trust that even when you rest for 24 hours, that the world is not going to fall apart? I, um, this, is kicking my, this is kicking my tail, too. I don't know if it's kicking yours, but it, it, this kind of, like, I'm challenged. I'm convicted because I'm bad at this. I say Monday's my day off, but I'm also reminded through this teaching that Sabbath is not the same thing as a day off. What do I do on my day off? I read up on the Orioles, which is depressing in itself, so that's not rejuvenating for me. I, I look at, read different articles. I do laundry. I do like 10 loads of laundry, which is kind of fun for me. Uh, I, I, I try to read a little bit. I don't know, I, whatever I do. Just silly stuff. A day off. A Sabbath is different. What what does a Sabbath look like? Again, 24 hours from what you normally do as your regular vocation. So if you're a student for 24 hours, oh, the thought of not studying for 24 hours. Not working for 24 hours, especially if you work from home 24 hours. Stop. Hard stop. Not a stop dot 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 or stop comma. So maybe that means for, for 24 hours, and again, I'm a youth student. SNF starts at 6 o'clock. Maybe at 6 o'clock Saturday night until 6 o'clock Sunday. I don't know what your Sabbath will look like. It's not about the day. Remember, it's not about the day. It, in early Jewish times, it was Saturday. Right? Saturday. Sundown Friday until sundown Saturday. That was the Jewish Sabbath. Jesus rises from the dead. We see in the book of Acts the new day of worship, the new Sabbath, is Sunday. Paul says in, um, oh, I forget where he says it, but he's like, it doesn't, it's, not, it's not the day that matters. What matters? Okay, check it. It's not the day that matters. It's the rhythm. Six days you work, one day off. Six days you work, one day Sabbath. Six days you work, one day Sabbath. It's the rhythm. It's not about the day. It's about the rhythm. Okay, that's what he's getting at. Before creation, I'm sorry, before sin, there's a rhythm to it all. So what do you do? Three things, very simple. Stoplight, think of a traffic light. First thing, stop. Second thing, slow. Third thing, go. What do you stop? You stop working. Stop working. We have a hard time stopping. Here's what the Sabbath command is saying. You don't stop when you're done. You stop when it's Sabbath. <laughs> the reason we don't stop is because we, we don't think we're ever done. I've got to study a little bit more. I've got to do one more problem set. I've got to do one more phone call to make. I've got to shoot out one more email. Think about this. Some of y'all just took the SAT this week. Think about this. You're taking the SAT, you finish one section, and the proctor says, okay, stop, put your pencils down. You don't say, oh, just give me one more minute. I've got three questions left. Hold on a second. Let me fill these in and let me, yeah, just, okay, now I can stop. No, you don't stop when you're done. You stop when it's time to stop. Because you will never be done working. My goodness, I will never be done working. There will always be 
a hundred emails to get back to. There will always be another sermon to plan. There will always be another Bible study to prepare for. There will always be another mission training to do. There will always be another sermon series to plan out. There will always be another event. There will always be another person. There's always going to... And so, hey, don't bother me on my Monday Sabbath, okay? Don't bother me. Don't text. Some people get salty. Oh, I texted you yesterday early in the morning. That's cool. You can wait unless you're dying. If you're not dying, then wait until Tuesday morning. Shoot. I've got to observe my Sabbath. I answer to a higher authority too. See, I'm not good at it, but I can be selective in being good at it. Like when I want to, if I don't want to talk to you, then I'll throw out my Sabbath card. But I need to be better about this. Not for the sake of, oh, I don't like this person, which it's not about that. It's just, <laughs> shoot. Sorry. It's about, it's about honoring God and being restored in our spirits. We will never be done with the work that there is to be done. But God says, can you trust me to stop? So if I stop working, oh my goodness. Again, this is not going to be easy. 400 years in slavery, a day to get them out, but it would take a long 40 years at least to get the slavery out of them. It might take a little bit of time. For some of you, I've got a full-time job, and I've got, I've got, I mean, I'm taking classes. Maybe for you, uh, you have to start with like a 12-hour Sabbath, but really guard that, really guard that. Fight for it. Okay, so for 12 hours, man, if I'm not, if I'm not working, like, what am I doing? Like, what do I do? Second thing is slow. You got to slow down to be with God. This is the difference between a day off and a Sabbath. Like, you really need to stop to encounter God. Silence, solitude, scripture, prayer, worship, the disciplines that draw you into intimacy with God. Because, I mean, at the breakneck pace in which we live, if we begin to practice a weekly Sabbath, man, this is a literal lifeline for your soul. Some of you who feel like, I'm so tired, I'm so burnt out from ministry, from serving my house church, my Sunday school, how are we doing in terms of slowing down for a Sabbath? Slowing down to be with God. Have you ever tried to watch a, you know, a TV show or a movie, fast-forwarding it on like four times the speed, like going through it? Like you can see certain things, but you can neither see fully nor enjoy fully what you're supposed to be seeing when you're going at that kind of a pace in life. We are fast-forwarding through life because we've got so much to do in so little time. That's why, that's why Starbucks is blowing up all over the world. I mean, do you remember the time when no one went to coffee shop? What's a coffee shop? 7-Eleven sells coffee, but there's no such thing as a coffee shop. How sleep-deprived are we as a world that we need Starbucks and coffee shops on every corner of the street? Uh, this, this caffeinated addiction to, 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 uh, to fuel the stuff that needs to get done. What if, I don't think this will happen, but what if every Christian in the world practice Sabbath, do you think churches would no longer need coffee shops? I, I just thought of that at the top of my head. It, you're probably like, no, that's stupid. That's dumb. But, but what if we did begin to practice a Sabbath on a weekly basis? Like, how would that free us and change us to stop and to be with God? These are, these are the two essential components to your Sabbath. Are you, okay, are you stopping work are you slowing down to be with God? If you are, I still got time. Are, am I supposed to like read the Bible for 12 hours and pray 12 hours? I'm just not that spiritual. No, here, the, the, the other part of it is to go. Go and enjoy life. Go and enjoy life. Go and enjoy what God created. When God rests on the seventh day, it's not because he was tired. It's not like God. When God created the world, it says he did it by speaking. Let there be light. It's not like God's like, let there be light. And oh, I'm so tired from saying that. I need a man. I need a seven. I need to create a seventh day to rest. 
He's not doing that. God gave in order to model a rhythm for us. When he rested on the seventh day and he said, it is very good, the language in Hebrew is saying God is, is like a playful little kid who's enjoying and delighting in his creation. Like, I made that. That's really good. I like it. I love it. I, oh, this is awesome. If you think, people say, hey, if you think God didn't enjoy creating the world, like they're even embedded into creation. You look, at, you look at some of the animals in the world and you have to think God loved what he was doing. You think about a rhinoceros. You think about a giraffe. He's like, okay, this is going to be a horse, but let's stretch out his neck really long. Oh, this is really cool. It's a giraffe. This is amazing. Or that, that animal, his, he just looks a little bit too normal. Let's make his ears real big and stretch out his nose really long. It's an elephant. This is amazing. You look at the, just the, the, the variety of God's creation and he looks at it and he's like, man, this is really cool. I like what I made. It's very good. It's this playful delight that God has in what he has made in creation. And so what do we go and do? We go and we enjoy what God has created. What are the things that recreate you? You expend your energy, your life throughout the week working, and then God gives you this day to be recreated. What is your thing that you do that replenishes your spirit? Who are the people who do that for you? Who are, what are the places that do that for you? Maybe it's a garden. Maybe it's a beach. Maybe it's a mount. Not around here, but maybe it's like a, a swamp or I don't know what it is in, in God's creation that you go to to find replenishment. He says, go and do those things. If, if, you're, if you're an artist and, and that gives you life and you haven't been able to do it, stop for 24 hours and, and spend some time painting. Do some calligraphy. Make your bullet journal. Go take photography. Go exercise. Go play golf. Go play basketball. But all of these things, enjoy creation. But the difference between a day off and a Sabbath is you've stopped work. You've slowed down to be with God. And then he says, go and you enjoy the day for the glory of Jesus' name. Because when we do, not only do we set ourselves apart as the people of God, not only do we show that we are like God in it, God transforms us to become more like him by stopping and being in his presence. We finally find rest. We can enjoy what God has made. Why? See, at creation, embedded and baked into the very fabric of the world is this rhythm, rest. After sin enters into the world, God says, here's how the people will know that you're different. You rest. All of these things are pointing us forward to an ultimate day of rest that is spoken of in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 9 and 10. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Why is it so hard for us? Because we find our identity so often in the things that we do. And Jesus then enters into our world and he says, let me give you once and for all your rest. You're not defined by what you do anymore. You're defined by what I do. When Jesus gave his life for us, he said, here, here's your worth. Here's your worth. Regardless of what you do, whether you're the most successful person in the eyes of the world or you don't have anything in the eyes of the world, here's your worth. Rest in that. You don't need to work to earn this. It's given to you at the cross. Stop striving. Rest. Enjoy me. And then go and enjoy what God has given. Right, this is what God's given to us. And it's desperately needed in a time like this where our world is pressuring us to be all these things by doing all these things. God throws us a lifeline and says, let me get you out of there. Be countercultural. Be different. Stop. Rest. Enjoy so that you might live. Don't just rest from work but work from rest, and people will see the goodness of God through you. Let's pray together. What does it mean for you to observe the Sabbath? What does it mean for you to stop work? How does that sound to you? How difficult does it sound for you to do that? Let's stop. Believe in the gospel. 
that your worth is found outside of your performance. Let's stop. Let's rest. Let's slow down to be with God. Let's enjoy what he's made. Let's pray. Let's pray to the Lord. Uh, maybe yeah, you need to start saying, God, help me to guard this time. How will you honor? How will you observe the Sabbath? Let's pray for a minute. It's committing our hearts to the Lord. I want to follow you, God, so that I can go deep and experience an emotionally healthy spirituality to love you, to love others well. Let's pray for a minute, and I'll pray for us, and then we'll continue. Father in heaven, I'll be the first one to confess that um, I'm really not good at this. This is hard for me. Too often I define myself by what I do. I overestimate my sense of worth and importance based on how full the schedule looks like this week how helpful I can be. I define my significance in ways other than ways that you would. I ask that you'd have mercy on me by giving me the conviction and the strength to observe the Sabbath in a way that would be life-giving, that the other six days in which I do work would be so much fuller, so much more worshipful. Father, maybe my friends, my brothers and sisters here join me in that Maybe there is a 24-hour day off that they stop working. And maybe it's not, it's not been the kind of Sabbath rest where they rest in you and find their deepest joy again in you and fasten their eyes upon the beauty of Christ. Father, for all of us who fall short in these ways, we ask your mercy and your grace to infuse life and joy and trust in our hearts that we might be able to believe that if we trust you and honor the Sabbath, that you will have ways to honor us beyond what we know. Father, help us to take that step of faith, and as we do, Lord, lead us to a deeper, healthier, emotional life, spiritual life, and a deeper love for you and for your people. Thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name.